everybody. Mike and Andy here. Uh, Mandy, if you want to just give us like the uh, the nickname. Um, we are here. We're back in the uh, world headquarters, the Vox World headquarters, Brea, California. Um, we last episode we were live in Placentia, which is a real city. Yep. Uh, California at uh, Villain Studios, which was totally appropriate. And uh, we did a live show, our first live show. We had sixty of you come out, which uh, which blew our minds. Yeah. That so many of you uh, and the feedback you gave us was just ridiculous and mm-hmm. and great. So. Um, we're so excited about that. M- much news in in the Vox uh, community to share with you briefly. Number one, um, as you know, this uh, many of you know, we have another podcast. That is the podcast that is the teaching and story from our little church plant uh, in North Orange County called Vox Community. So uh, the Vox Community podcast is more of a Bible-y uh, teaching and then uh, some of the so very raw stories, particularly this last week. Yeah, oh my goodness, Alex, yeah. our buddy Alex, Alex had a great story, story this last weekend. So, so, um, so there's that. Um, Andy has been working on um, something called Patreon, which is a playoff of patron, um, and it's a way for people to regularly contribute to artistic and creative endeavors, right? So different from Kickstarter, which is a kind of, or GoFundMe, which is a kind of a a kickoff phase. Yeah, like a project-based fundraising. This is more of a support. So Andy, tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about what you're you're cooking up. Yeah, so um, in a week from the time that this uh, show will come out on Monday, uh, we'll officially have the Patreon page up, um, and there'll be a few different levels of how you can contribute um, with amounts, with uh, different uh, fun incentives that go along. Yes, uh, there's some ridiculous incentives. And by <laughs> ridiculous, I mean literally ridiculous, like unbelievably dumb. Um, but but here's here's the here's the reason. Number one, um, we we love that this is a lo-fi production. I mean, we're just two guys in boxer shorts in a room in uh, Brea, California. And um, but we also realized so so we did this uh, we did this forum. And uh, and it was amazing, but it cost us what about eight hundred nine hundred dollars? Yeah, something like that uh, to pull off. Mm-hmm. And so that was coming out of yours truly's bank account, which which pretty much exhausted it. Um, <laughs> no, uh, and so this will uh, be a fifteen minute show today. <laughs> and and everybody, no, 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 and 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 everybody was saying we got to do more of these, and we'd love to do more of these. So uh, we we want to get into publishing a couple of eBooks. Um, we want to we want to get into maybe launching a third podcast. Um, and, uh, and so we're, we're, you know, if, 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 if you're able and it's joy for you, uh, we'd be thrilled to, to have some supporters to help offset some costs that are beginning to increase as opposed, uh, as we, as we begin to explore more the intersection between the church that we've started and the podcast, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because we keep hearing from people, Hey, the, there's, there's this, there's a third, third thing that's missing kind of, as we translate, uh, a podcast into a church, and so the, this live thing was just amazing. So, so anyway, if you're open to that, great, no worries. We don't want to do advertising. Um, we'd rather just do this. And so many of you have been so incredibly generous. So, uh, there are some some cool incentives. There are some ridiculous incentives. But you can check that out. Where Andy? Where would you go to check that out? Well, uh, so that will be available on at on the Vox Podcast website. So voxpodcast.com uh, at the contribute button and it will take you out to Patreon from there. So, so okay, so Subversive Kingdom is done. Gone. We hate it. Oh. You hated it. I, I, you did. You did. It was you an did. eyesore. Oh boy. It was an eyesore. <laughs> well, that's because 
because we had nothing else to put up there. So my picture, <laughs> my picture was all over that thing, which, you know, that's an eyesore. Um, so, so voxpodcast.com mm-hmm. is where you find this podcast. Um, voxoc.com is the church website, correct? Right. Okay. So, and then, and then there you go. So that's, that's all big. That's yeah. all big news. The other big news this week, Andy, the other, the, the, the mommy blogger world was shattered with controversy <laughs> this week when Jen Hatmaker, who I only know because my wife, evidently she was, she started out as a blogger. Yeah. She's written some books that are, that are, um, uh, that are pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, about about warring against excess and justice and compassion and and she's got an HGTV show which you know mm-hmm. good lord like we need more of those uh, you know there. I'm, I'm going to interrupt you I, I'm a bit surprised that you actually haven't even brought up um, the World Series Mr. Ohio over oh, here oh I'm still mourning this is the day <laughs> after this is the day after you know but here's the thing so my brother and I were texting and he just said you know it, look who who would have thought that the Cleveland Cavaliers would have won an NBA championship and the Indians would be in the World Series ever in the same year. Right. So we can't be greedy. So God bless <laughs> the Chicago fans. Um, happy for the Cubs fans. They totally deserved it. I, I'm bummed that we weren't at full strength with all of our pitching. Mm. But Yeah, Charlie Sheen didn't show up. Charlie huh? Sheen was nowhere <laughs> to be found. Uh, uh, no, but I mean, you know, last night was like one of the best baseball games I've ever seen. I'm not a huge baseball guy, but wow, that game seven was so much tension. I, yeah. I kept running up and down the stairs, just avoiding the game or <laughs> watching it or replaying it or whatever. So yes, but anyway, that's not nearly as significant to the mommy blogosphere, which blew up. <laughs> so, so Justy, my sweet wife, um, is a huge Jen Hatmaker fan. Jen and Brandon, I think they have a church, or I, I don't know much about. It. I mean, I, I don't, you know. She made me watch the show. My wife made me watch the show once, and whatever. Um, but she came out in an interview um, and said um, that not only does she affirm um, same-sex marriages, but but she believes that they are holy. And um, and and and, it, and it, if you've been following kind of her thinking for a while, I don't know how surprising that is or what, but of course, you know, controversy erupts once this becomes public and, and Lifeway, a big Christian distributor of books, you know, stops selling her books mm-hmm. and, and, uh, the internet is torn asunder, yeah. um, as evangelicals now, you know, dive at, at each other and, and, and it's all, it's all sad and it's all predictable, and um, and it's interesting because you know on the one hand the, the the arguments I hear in favor of same sex unions are you know well the Bible doesn't talk about them the kind of of homosexuality or or lesbianism condemned in the scriptures um, is not what we're dealing with today the 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 Christians who wrote this were not familiar with the idea of orientation they were not f- familiar with the idea of genetic basis for things they were not. Uh, familiar with any of these sort of uh, modern concepts. And so what they're speaking of is they're speaking into exploitive, uh, exploitative situations. They're speaking to um, um, cultural phenomenon or idolatry or temple worship or whatever. They're not speaking to modern consensual same-sex committed relationships. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I've heard that argument. Um, the The argument, though, that, that was at least the word that was new, and then her husband, I guess, came out and... and um, and wrote a, a big post on uh, on Facebook about hey this is the journey we've been on, uh, the, but the positive declaration that it's holy, 
So there's one thing to say the Bible's silent on it. It's another thing to say that we, we would think the Bible would declare that union holy. So, so I think that was the word that, you know, got everyone kind of riled up is, okay, well, what, how do you get that mm-hmm. um, from the Bible? And, and, and so, you know, my wife, God bless her, pulled me onto the, the Facebook discussion that was going and, and And it's just the same thing. I mean, it's just on the one hand, you've got conservative folks feeling like, well, there's just, there's just another in a long line of people caving into the, you know, the popular consensus of the day. Um, and, uh, and, and you've got other people saying, no, finally, you know, I mean, come on, um, you Christians have had your heads in the sand for so long to the realities of sexuality and gender and whatever else. Mm-hmm. So, so it's just interesting, you know, again, um, to, to, to just rinse and repeat. And the thing that's so terrifying is how rarely Christians treat each other well when they disagree. That's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing that's horrible is okay let's let's disagree let's say i disagree with jen uh and brandon and i think you know they miss they miss a point is is protesting commenting um uh you know flaming people that agree mm-hmm. is that really the is that the jesus way we're going to handle this i mean come mm-hmm. on so what's the what's the fine line though between jesus having his harshest words for his own culture in the yep. Pharisees versus Ooh. Christians yes. like actually, you know, going at this pretty hard at each other. Yes. Oh, that's such a great question. Well, first of all, Jesus condemned the Pharisees um, in two contexts or actually three contexts that I see. One is when he was around them. So he confronted them directly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a, that's a thing, right? Yeah. They, he wasn't just taking shots at them from far away. Right. He was looking at them as he's talking about them. Right. Um, he talks about them um, to his disciples as a point of contrast. Uh, beware the leaven of the Pharisees. And then there are times when either directly or indirectly, he will um, undercut the agenda of the Pharisees. Um, and, and in an honor and shame culture, sometimes he'll do that very indirectly. Yeah, okay. But it would be perceived as very direct. To us, it feels indirect. But but the point is, um, the, the conversation Jesus was having with them was face-to-face. It wasn't on social media. It wasn't, you okay. know, um, and and Jesus uh, did absolutely save his harsh, his harshest words for those who should know better. The issue is how do we embody? If you if you're at that level of disagreement, how do we best embody that in our world? Mm-hmm. Um, is it sitting in a chair in California writing Facebook posts? Um, what, what, how, how do we best, how do we best have these in internal conversations in a manner that keeps Jesus beautiful, um, that allows his beauty to show that, um, that, that honors and respects and all of those sorts of things. Um, because whereas Jesus can be trusted with righteous anger, I'm not sure we can. Mm, uh, I think there's, okay. you know, we've talked about in the podcast, there's a place for anger, but we, we always have to ask what, what, it, what does it come from and where does it lead to? Right. And, and Jesus is the perfect model for, for what that anger looks like. So is it appropriate at times to be angry at hypocrisy, to be angry at false teaching, to be angry at whatever? Well, of course, I mean, you see Paul going after false teachers. You see Jesus himself uh, warning people away from wolves and going after Pharisees. But at the same time, we, are, we dare not begin to see ourselves. 
with those kinds of ministries. See, that's the, it's the self-anointed prophet that is the, is the problem. It's the self-anointed like rule keeper. And I'm going to make sure your doctrine's lining up, right? I mean, this is all to be done in community according to the New Testament teaching. So, so, you know, we are to test and to hold on to the good. And, and so, so yes, I mean, feel free to disagree and feel free to lament uh, the state of evangelical Christianity. But the, the, the issue Jesus is always going to bring it back to is you. Who's the biggest sinner in the room? Are, uh, is their sin um, is their sin a two by four or is it a speck of dust compared to yours, right? I mean, the, mm-hmm. the answer is really clear on that. So, so yes, if, if we want to pre- present an alternative set of teaching, well, great, let's do it. Like, like people that supposedly have the truth should not be so afraid of other ideas. Right. Yeah. So, so let's engage in very respectful, fun, joy-filled disagreement, and uh, and see what comes out of that. But but just the man, it's the the social media flaming that just does it. And I get it. I've been a part of it. I've been on the receiving end and the giving end. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm not just some old guy saying, "Oh, those kids on the internet." The answer is not <laughs> less internet. Maybe we should be. Uh, yeah, maybe we should be. But it would, but it's just it's just it, the whole thing. I lament the whole thing regardless of where you stand on the issue. I just lament the predictability of the whole thing. Ugh. Mm. Now, um, so anyway, so that was okay. Like, that no, was, thank you. That was a big, big thing in the Erie household was was Justy and I. Justy saying, "What do you think of this? And how are you with this?" And you know, because because she's like, "Well, Mike," she she literally said, "Are you? I feel like you're going a little liberal on this." And I'm like, "Well, <laughs> um, it, it, it depends. All depends on the definitions, right?" So. Um, so anyway, the, who knows where this will go, but it, again, it's, it's like politics. You just, uh, you, you just see it coming and it's so sad that it sucks everyone's energy, uh, into, into these sorts of things. So, uh, here at the Vox podcast, um, we just want to give the right answers. All right. That's our job. We're not, <laughs> we're not ever going to No. So, so we, we have been accumulating, I don't know. I probably have Andy, maybe a hundred questions that have been sent in by Ooh. listeners over the last year. Yeah. And, um, you know, hey, could you could you talk about this? Could you answer this? And I feel like I, I, I at least owe one episode to, like, just trying to plow through a few of these. Okay. And um, and so let's just give it a shot. Let's just see. They'll call it, we'll call it a grab bag or a uh, or Q&A with E-H. <laughs> like, eh? Q&A. Like you're Canadian? <laughs> Q&A? Yeah, Canada's from question. Or uh, <laughs> questions from Canada. Questions from Canada. All right, so here's so here's what. So so this is this is Mike and Andy doing Q&A. All right, so uh, I don't know why I'm I don't know if any right. of these people actually are from Canada by so, the way. So <laughs> so um here here's a question. Um a woman wrote in, "What if you are married as a man and a woman?" Then your spouse comes out as transgendered and starts taking hormones and dressing more feminine or masculine. Uh, what does the marriage between one man and one woman, uh, where does that fall in there? If they are changing their name and identity as a different gender, <coughs> excuse me, than what you married them as, what would Jesus say? Not sure if there's a clear answer, but this is a huge discussion. So this literally happened. Uh, to to this lady, uh, and um, and and so what would Jesus say, Andy? What do you think? Go. 
I have no idea. <laughs> right. I will start with that. <laughs> so, so I, I think when, when this person's asking, what uh, would Jesus say? I think this person's asking about the state of the marriage. Like, yes. Would that's Jesus what it say, sounds like. Yes. Would Jesus say, and, and this gets into the subject of divorce and remarriage, which mm-hmm. man, that is a massive, massive can of worms. Traditionally, um, and we don't have time to get into it all, but but traditionally, um, some forms of desertion were accommodated in Judaism uh, as grounds for divorce. Now there were there were several schools of thought. One very liberal one that said you could divorce for any and every reason. One very conservative one, which said you can only uh, divorce for sexual infidelity or or a general catch-all phrase for various things that constituted sexual infidelity. Jesus gets brought in this debate and, and sides with a conservative view. Um, uh, Paul seems to open up um, a desertion uh, uh, exception in First uh, Corinthians, and so so again, I'm not I'm not your spiritual authority. I, I don't I haven't thought this through. I, I find it. I think the first thing Jesus would say is that he's heartbroken at um, at that at a marriage that began in one way uh, has now evolved into something else. And the disappointments that, that the questioner must be feeling, mm-hmm. um, the disappointments, the anger, the betrayal, the sadness, the, I mean, who knows what range of emotions. I think Jesus grieves all of that. And then, and then you've got the, the, the person that's, that's changing uh, in the midst of, you know, mm-hmm. they were married as a, let's say a man, and now they, they feel like they want to identify as a woman. Mm-hmm. And all that's going on with them, um, and Jesus grieves over. Um, but would would uh, would Jesus prohibit a divorce in this? In this, uh, I can't speak for Jesus. I would simply say this does feel like a form of desertion to me, hmm. and um, and that uh, if separation and reconciliation and all those things, you know, go nowhere, and um, and the spouse is dead set on. No, this is what this is where I'm going. Um, uh, you know, I could I could either foresee just a, a permanent separation if you don't want to use the divorce word, and um, or I could see uh, I'm open to the idea I should say that that Jesus would permit um, you to divorce um, in this case. Now, again, I'm not giving any background uh, about divorce and remarriage. So, yeah. so if you're going to like, people are going to fire back and say, what about, what about, what about, okay, well we can do a divorce and remarriage podcast. This is not that I just want to grieve with, uh, somebody that, you know, after however many years of marriage, there's been the bait and switch and, and then the spouse that is whatever's going on in the spouse that is making them feel like now they have to identify this way. Mm-hmm. I mean, and if there are kids involved, what do you do with those kids and how do they right. process this? Right. See, I think, I, yeah, cause part of me thinks like if this was something unsaid prior to the marriage, that was like an orientation thing for a long time and it wasn't revealed. You know, that that to me, that that's kind of where if this was like I'd never thought about this prior, you know, and this was all of a sudden like in the past, whatever, X amount of years we've been married. I'm realizing this. Right. right. That's that's what's interesting to me is because then it's like, was this something that wasn't a a complete truth made to the person you're marrying prior to marriage? Right. Did you know this ahead of time? Right. Or did you hide it? Right. You know, so because it's like or did something change over the course of whatever, how many years? Yeah. No, that's that. That's a good. That's a good deciding factor too. I just think, 
And again, we have to be so freaking careful. Uh, there have been many circumstances where one spouse has left and the Christian spouse or the, the still walking with Jesus spouse is is sitting there going, okay, so do I sign the divorce papers or not sign the divorce papers? Or do I initiate the divorce when this person just wants to keep, you know, this the marriage official, but they've left mm-hmm. the building? And I mean, all of that is so hard and it's so specific and there's no universal answer. Um, I just always hold out the option of, well, you don't ever have to sign anything. You know, I mean, if you just say, nope, the, the thing's over, um, uh, you never have to agree uh, to the divorce. You know, you can, the person, other person initiates it. Well, I'm just not going to sign it. Sorry. Yeah. You may, you may need to do it for legal reasons or, you know, to, in order to remarry, if you feel like that's permitted, I mean, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the, these sorts of moral dilemmas were not, you know, the Bible is not a rule book that, that, um, that, that is used in cases like this, um, or to even, even, um, uh, anticipate cases like this, right? What the scriptures mm-hmm. are is there, there, there's this library that all revolve around the story of God's outworking and rescue of, um, human beings in the midst of history. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, N.T. Wright uses this incredible metaphor about what kind of authority the Bible has in these sorts of questions. He says, um, the Bible, like understanding the Bible, interpreting the Bible is kind of like a five act play where the, the fifth act is only partially written. So let's say you're an actor and you, you're, you are performing a, the fifth act. You have the first four acts in front of you and the beginning of the fifth act and the end of the fifth act. But there's this big gap where you don't know how you are supposed, how, you know, what the author would have you do in every scenario. And you're right. invited to improvise in a manner consistent with the, the first, first four, four acts, acts. Okay. and the beginning of the fifth and the end of the fifth. Hmm. And that the author, you know, I'm pushing his metaphor beyond what he does with it, but, and that the author is willing to help guide and shape your improvisation, but is never going to write the lines. Hmm. And so, so here we are improvising in a situation where um, uh, a man and a woman are now um, a different thing, some sort of different thing. So you can either confront the spouse that's changing and say, you are sin, you are in sin, you are abandoning this. I don't care what you choose to identify as you married this and you've got kids and da, 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 da. You can go to the, the spouse that's, that's uh, the one that's feeling betrayed in all of this and say, well, I think you're permitted to divorce and then to remarry. Um, you can go to, to both of them and say, you know, is it possible to try to work this out over the next three or four years together in the midst of couples therapy and, and exploring like where this is coming from? Are you guys willing to give that a shot? Right. And all of those, you could, you could make a biblical case for each direction. Right. Right. So, um, to me, this just highlights the, the absolute necessity because the Bible can be used to beat everybody up. The Bible can be used to excuse anything you want. The Bible can be used to almost justify anything you want. So to me, in these, in, in these sorts of pastoral situations, um, how, do we, how do we come alongside? And when someone asks, hey, what would Jesus think here? Well, I always think, well, he grieves. Um, he's hurt. He's, 
grieving with you in the midst of this. Yeah. This is not his intention right. um, for you. You did nothing wrong in this. This isn't your fault. It's not because you're not man or woman enough or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, this is more about the other person. But then where do you go with that, right? Yeah. There's, no, there's no quick fix. So anyway, um, there's no answer other than just processing it and going, my word, these are real situations. And, uh, and so if the church just is silent, well, that doesn't help. Or if the church is legalistic, that doesn't help. So the best we can do in this situation is talk, is to discuss and to see, see if the spirit guides and leads in a specific way. Any thoughts? Um, no, that's good. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I just thought, wow, what? Oh, so, um, this is a, a, se- a separate question. These are, I mean, I hate these episodes because they're all, they're, <laughs> all the questions are so good. One huge difficulty I had with sex is getting married. How great a line is that? For 35 uh, years, I was taught good girls don't do bedroom things. Keep your thoughts pure and don't tempt yourselves or others. Then with a 30-minute ceremony, a nice barbecue dinner, and some cake, I was free to do whatever felt good. Don't get me wrong, dot, 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 lots of fun, and we figured things out quickly. However, it took a bit to not feel like I was doing something I wasn't, quote, supposed to. I don't know if it makes any sense, but it's not something that gets much attention from the church. We covered it briefly in premarital, but then, but, but again, that was a bit off since, well, our mentor couple has been married 50 years. But they were filled with amazing wisdom in every other area. But yeah, not so much with this. So, oh. so, and I've actually talked to uh, couples who've had a very similar thing. So they've been taught, and this is this is to Christians. Uh, they've been taught that sex is dirty, naughty, bad. Um, to stay away from it, to save it for marriage, and then there's no no help with how do you flip that switch? How do you flip the switch of I mean, I love, I love how this person says it. Um, a thirty-minute ceremony, a nice barbecue, dinner, and some cake. Yeah, and now it's all good, right? Yeah. <laughs> what the, and and you can see why, why people outside the church just go, oh, pff, all marriages is a piece of paper. Then why not, right? What, right. What's so sacred about the thirty-minute ceremony, the cake, and the barbecue? Mm-hmm. So, so we want to do at some point a series. I don't know if there'll be forums like we did the live forum, or we'll do a series of podcasts on sexuality. Um, that, where we'll get into this, but I think you raised something that's really, really important, namely that um, the church, in my experience, again, my narrow experience, the church has done an awful, awful job uh, presenting the positive uh, case for sex. And, and what I mean by that is the first command in the Bible, the rabbis have a field day with this. The first command in the Bible of the 613 commands of the Torah is be fruitful and multiply. Mm-hmm. And last I checked, God made that super fun, right? He could have had us like plant children in fields. He could have had grow them in bakeries. We could have done the matrix. It could have been the matrix. That's what I was going to say. But instead he said, no, 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 no. I got this great idea. Yeah. We got this gender thing and it's going to be awesome. And, and, and so the Bible starts with this amazing, you know, yes, like, like penises and vaginas and, arousal and um, and release and kissing and fondling. I mean, that whole thing. And even people reacting to me using these words. I mean, what the, the Bible is so explicit in Hebrew. Oh my word, is it explicit in Hebrew? Particularly Song of Songs. Um, that is crazy. And so I've taught through the book like three or four times. And every time I come across something new that's like, whoa, 
Um, and, and, and people are so scandalized by the book. They've actually said, now it's kind of a metaphor for how God loves his people. And, and certainly, certainly, know. even if that's the case, it's like, whoa, that's weird. <laughs> that's weird. Certainly marriage is a, an incredible example and romances. God talks about wooing his people and romancing his people. But I also think this is just Hebrew love poetry that was read at weddings and celebrating, um, the beauty of, of, and there all the different words for love are in there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, the, the friendship love, the romantic love, the sexual love. I mean, all of those words are in there. So all that is to say the, we don't hear about this much. What you get instead are abstinence education. See, that's the dumbest thing ever. It's like, Hey, here's something that's great. Don't, don't do it which just increases massively the amount of interest in it. Right. Um, save it till marriage. But what's marriage, it, even in the church's eyes, well, often marriage is just a ceremony in front of a pastor with barbecue and cake and giddy up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you've, if you've Im- imbibed a view of sexuality where it's the, it is the temptation, it is the thing that you're constantly at war with, it's that part of yourself that is dark and animalistic and duh, duh, duh. Well, then no freaking wonder when, you know, you, you're at your honeymoon night going, okay, is this, is this okay? Yeah. Is this all right? <laughs> and so you have two extremes. You have, you, have, you have some people who don't take sex seriously enough. They think it's just a physical thing. The scriptures teach, no, 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 this is soulful. This is soulish. This is, there's something that is deep and profound that happens here. There's a union that is, that is created here. But then you have people that take it and and they they've they've so they've been presented with the negative view so much they can't flip around to feeling okay, and so like when I talk to my son, and I hope Big Nate uh, isn't listening to this, um, probably is <laughs> with, Big this Nate. Type, with this type of commentary on our yeah seriously <laughs> our well, that's true. But Big <laughs> Nate and I have the most incredible conversations about sexuality, and they're never it's bad. They're always it's incredible. And it's incredibly powerful, and that's why you got to make sure you're, you're channeling this in the appropriate ways. It's like electricity, man. Mm-hmm. Electricity is an incredible gift, but don't. But but with everything that's powerful, come rules that govern its use. Right? You just can't treat electricity because it's so powerful. You can't just treat it however you want to. Yeah. In the scripture, sexuality is is that powerful, and so it's something to be enjoyed, protected, nurtured. Um, it'll be a source of temptation. Yes. It'll be a source of disappointment once you're married. Yes. It'll be a source of whatever. Yes. But fundamentally, the Bible starts with it's good. And we just never hear that. The Bible, the first command of the Bible is to have sex. And um, and of course, it gives boundaries to that. And we'll explain to all those and blah, 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 blah. But the, the, the fact that the church is no more for abstinence and modesty and not just this incredible like view of what it is to be human and what it is to have a body and what it is to make babies and what it is to Hmm. enjoy the body of another and, and how cool God is to make all of that, like the most ridiculously sensual experience in the history of the world. We just don't ever talk about that. We feel like, like I would get, I would get pushback from church people saying, well, this isn't a conversation for church, Mm -hmm. right? Sexuality is not a conversation for church. I'm like, bull Oni. That's a Hebrew word. Bull Oni. Bull Oni. Um, I'm kidding, but, but no, I would, I would actually hear people say, well, this isn't, this isn't for the church. And you're going, are you kidding me? We're drenched in sexual ethics and sexual and sexual performance and sexual imagery and the church, 
the church has nothing to say on this. Um, and so I just totally disagree. I just think, I think parents have to model it. I think married people have to, to model it. It's not the end all be all. It's not the most important part of a marriage. It's not the most important part of being human. You can be absent, and live a fulfilling life. You can be celibate and live a fulfilling life. You can be celibate in a disappointing marriage and still live a fulfilling life. Sexual expression is not the highest good. It's not the most important thing. And yet the Bible presents this beautiful yes before there's any, any hint of a no. So my response to you is I'm sorry that that's exactly your situation. Yeah. And it sounds like you figured things out and you're okay. But I think you speak for a lot of people who come out of very conservative Christian environments who've never been told that being sexual is a good thing. We were sexual mm. before we were sinful. Mm. And that being sexual is a gift. Now, it doesn't feel like a gift. It's fallen. It's broken. It leads to all sorts of carnage in human life. But but fundamentally, to be sexual is a good thing. Boom. Any thoughts, Andy? Nope. <laughs> Mike, third question. Yep. What time is it? How, many, how much time we've we been talking? Yeah, Ben. Uh, 32 minutes. Oh, my goodness. Okay, we're not going to get through all these. Mike, how dare you or anyone else apologize for other Christians or anyone besides yourself? How arrogant can you be? Well, very arrogant, evidently. Maybe you were a Christian hater in the past, but don't you dare label the rest of Christianity because of your own faults. I will continue to love the sinner, but warn others about the homosexual lifestyle. While God himself claims um, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. I'll stick to God's truth, not man's. Thank you for your feedback. All right, question number four. <laughs> so, so, yes, I do apologize on behalf of Christians quite a bit. Quite a bit. So, yes. I can't imagine this guy is still listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah. agree. I agree with that. All right. Um uh let me let me go let me go here. Uh man, there's so many good ones. Um uh oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well see, this is the same question. Okay, it seems as though the only topic of sexuality touched on by the church is abstinence. I would love to hear understand better why sex before marriage is wrong. Ooh. Why are we taught that any type of sexual thought is a sin? Where where does masturbation fall into all this? What type of boundaries, guidelines does the Bible give on sexuality in a dating relationship? As a woman, I was taught at a very young age to be ashamed of my body because it caused men to stumble. Mm -hmm. Okay, first of all, you don't cause men to stumble for crying out loud, right. ever. Men cause men to stumble, yeah. right? I mean, that's not... Can we just get over that? Um, absolutely. Uh, uh, let's see. How can I be a sexual being and a Christian at the same time? Did Jesus have ever have a sexual thought? Of course he had a sexual thought. That was one of big Nate's questions. Oh yeah. It was like, did Jesus have sex? I'm like, I don't think so. I think he was single, you know, and I think he was celibate. He said, well, do you think Jesus ever, you know, like girls? And I'm like, well, I think he was fully human. I think, yes, he did. And he said, do you think he, you think he ever, you know, had his body react in weird ways? I'm like, I, I'm guessing <laughs> I think so. I think so. And, um, and so Nate was very interested in, in those sorts of conversations. Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. and I mean, and the scriptures say he was tempted in every way, yet was without sin. And so I have to believe some of that was sexual temptation. Mm -hmm. So, so again, just reinforcing the point, you're, you're, the feminine body and the masculine body are beautiful things. These were never meant to be sources of shame or to be bad. You know, the Genesis account is when man and woman saw each other, like it was good. Like that was a great thing. 
And, um, and so it is sad that in, in order to protect, um, uh, the, the, the men of, you know, Christianity from stumbling, that women are taught to be ashamed of their bodies. It's like, well, no, I don't think that's true. Men cause men to stumble. Women do not cause men to stumble. So I'm all for yoga pants. I wear them myself. <laughs> yeah, I, I stumble when Mike wears yoga pants. <laughs> I'm single. 31, year, 31 years old and not sure if I want to get married or have children. The church has no idea what to do with me. I love this. Sometimes they just assume that I'm still a lady in waiting and that my heart's desire is to find a good husband. That's not really true. Too old for college age groups because I've moved on from a lot of the issues they tend to struggle with. Most of the groups for people my age are geared towards getting married or, or, or they're young couples with children. Uh, how, how can the church make people who don't fit in the traditional spouse, house, kids feel like there's a place for them in God's kingdom? Oh, my goodness. I love this. Um, it, so that's somebody who said, I'm not sure I want to have this. And I always feel like the church is pushing me to have this. Yeah. And then there's another comment that says singles without kids are the most ignored population in the church. Um, we're expected to sit through the annual relationship series and be satisfied with a short PS at the end. By the way, don't have sex. <laughs> Our wounds and longings <laughs> from being alone and childless are always overshadowed by the more valued needs of marriage and parenting. Yet higher numbers of people are living singly. Ironically, we have more disposable income, time, and willingness to serve. Mm. So there is this, and, and, I, and I think this is really interesting. In the Jesus movement, because we are so uh, fixated on marriage and the sanctity of marriage, there is this undercurrent, sometimes explicit, sometimes not, of, of pressure to have, um, to have single people be married. And some of those single people really want to be married. They're in the church because... They would love to meet somebody and to be married, and they just haven't yet. Mm -hmm. Others of them resent the pressure. So for some, the pressure is actually a reminder of their pain, that they're not mm -hmm. what they want to have. Um, and for others, it's it's a an offense to, oh, you're not complete or you're not, you know, the church isn't for you unless you're married and have kids. We spend so much time on kids ministry, so much time on youth programs, so much time on marriage ministries and blah, 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 blah. What about all of those people and the relationship series? Andy, we're never going to do it. Vox community, we're never going to do a relationship series. Can we just, can we just do that right now? We're just never, <laughs> we're never going to do a relationship series. Oh, my heart is broken. We've always said there's no such thing as a soulmate. So good luck. Um, no, we did a podcast on that and that's about as close as we're going to come. But I think it's really sort of an interesting question because I hear that even from from some of some of the single folks that um, are involved with us. Mm -hmm. and, and it's hard because on the one hand, there are thriving singles ministries out there. But on the other, I've always been suspicious of, of just singles ministries for the sake of singles. Yeah, ministries. like I don't that that rubs me the wrong way. Just thinking about it. Yeah, it just uh, and again, easy for me to say now that I've been married uh, almost 17 years, feels like 20 um, 12 of those happily. Now that I have been married, goodness, I hope Justy, what, what are you doing, Andy? I'm just thinking like, what, what do you do in a singles ministry? It's like intended. It's like, it's like speed dating for your church. No, no. I mean, um, it's a way for singles to connect with other singles, find friends. Okay. It's a, it's an alternative to the bar scene. It, uh, you know, I mean, we had one at Mariners years ago and it was, um, Bible teaching and, and retreats and okay. events and right. and yeah, there are weddings that come out of that for sure. Yeah. And some people are there just as sharks, you know. Yeah. Um, okay. All but right. For, but for others, you know, they felt like there was no place for them. 
Yeah. And and I've always I've always been a bit suspicious of that too. Um just because I don't know that that the 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 way the church looks best is with married people hanging out only with married people and people with young kids hanging out only with people with young kids and and older empty nesters hanging out only with older empty nesters mm-hmm. and singles only hanging out with singles and kids only hanging out with other kids right right i think there was a good point you brought up though i mean i think there's even an organizational aspect to the whole thing though too cuz you parents have tend to have the loudest voices because they got to drop their kids off in kids ministry so if you're trying to run an organization you're responding right in like taking care of that part of the building, taking care of them. Mm-hmm. And yet the focus to kind of, you know, if you want to camp singles into their own thing, right? like how do you actually orient church towards singles as far as inspiration about Jesus? Yes. You know, it's kind of like, it's, that's where. And there's two, and there's two ways to do it. There's one is to make a, an absolute and intentional effort to call out the demographic of singles right. and, to, and to program towards them and to whatever. Right. I go I go the opposite way to say I don't want to I don't want to sit and talk to married people and single people. Yeah. I want to talk to Jesus people. Right. Right? Some of whom are not Jesus people yet, some of whom are been Jesus people forever. Um I don't I, it'd be like saying okay, Republicans and Democrats, let's 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 break up yes. and degree. I just it, it, now some single people will say but but you know the church is dominated by families, and so that makes us feel lonely and alienated. And 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 maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. I'd love your ideas on what to do. What I don't want to do, though, um, and I'm absolutely committed to not doing, is to is to just segment the church on the basis of of a stage of life. Mm-hmm. I just think that is so disruptive to the beauty of what the church is to be, where you've got older people and younger people and white people and black people and and rich people and poor people. I mean, the the whole new humanity idea that Paul uh, spends so much time on is that people who have nothing in common gather together because they've only got this Jesus in common, right? Yeah. So I've always been personally suspicious of um, life stage ministries, and that's made me in the very clear minority right like i've gotten i've gotten um a lot of pushback for that Mm -hmm. like i hear it's it's like i hear i hear the tension that you know this person's asking the question and i think what i'm wrestling with is kind of like but this is all just a product of the hyper inward mentality of the church on its own like it's not we're not talking about a missional thing right you know it's like this is if the church exists for itself and it's like our club memberships, then sure, you would expect if you show up that right. then there's something for you. Well, then how? who are you to the organization? Well, I'm a single, you know, whatever, right. you know, ethnic right. male. Right. So what do you guys have as far as like, you know, what's going to interest me and, and right. take care of me? But that's where I don't see the church reaching me. And if that's my desire, the church shouldn't see that as a mission. Right. You see, like the, the mission isn't to satisfy how I feel in my orientation and context to everything rather how am i moving Come on. in a jesus follower someone, way outward right now? so you know maybe a little bit is someone but, I like because it. like that's i'm sitting here listening to this and i'm like yeah yeah i get all that but then i'm like what but i also think the church has been guilty of worshiping at the altar of marriage and family yeah i agree and not and not making room at the table for people who don't fit that so you know, whether it's it's Single parents, which is a massive, I mean, my goodness, what a massive job that is. Or, or you know, couples that don't fit the traditional stereotype. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what do you do with all these people? Yeah. As more and more, you know, when, when two dads or two moms show up with their kids, 
right? The church is going to say something. The church has to do something. If, if, if we're single because we chose to be, if we're single because we didn't choose to be, but here we are. I mean, so, so to me, the worst thing to do is to start um, fragmenting the church around common interests. Right. Because that's easy, right? That's not gospel. Right. Easy. Yes. I mean, people hang out with who they are and, and, what, and people who are like them all the time. The church should not reinforce this. Right. That's not the new humanity, right? That's right. not beautiful. Like this... See, that's where, and this is where I get, I get in trouble with a lot of my contemporaries because, because I just go, I, I, I don't see the, the, the biblical warrant. I just see church growth strategy, but I don't see biblical warrant for the segmenting that we do. Mm -hmm. I think we have to resist the consumer impulse that, that, that people will bring into the community to say, okay, I just want to, I, okay, we're all the young families and let's, we're all the parents and we're, and, and yes, of course there are times you talk to them. I mean, Paul in his letters will say, hey, okay, fathers, slaves, masters, you know, talk, you know, women, children, I and mean, he'll go through a, a household code right. speaking to specific people, young men, older men, younger women, but he's assuming they're all in the same room. Right. That's what I'm hearing. It's like, I mean, you would address the whole crowd by helping to understand who's in the room. Come on. But it wouldn't like you wouldn't then specifically orient. Is things. someone preaching now? Well, you were preaching too, so okay. I don't know. I okay, just, I like it. I, I feel like I'm just sitting in that same tension now. So, so for those of you that are single and and as part of the church, what what does that look like? Help us have an imagination for what that looks like, because to me, and and it does not look like having singles ministry. I just I'm like I just think that's the worst. Um, uh, but we also want to nurture and encourage friendship and, and, um, families to open up their, their houses to folks that don't, um, sit around family tables every night and who don't know how to cook or, I mean, you know, so there's this give and take. All right. Last one. Sure. Oh my goodness. We're, we're literally getting through half. <laughs> you really thought that we could get through 10 questions? Yep. yep. So here we go. I know. <laughs> Come on. At what age? Those questions especially, by the way. <laughs> I know. Well, I was trying to pick ones that would set up future conversations well, they do. or give us feedback. Yeah. At what age is, is it appropriate to talk to your kids about sex and how? We often hear that men like sex more than women. Uh, perhaps it is true, but I've come across girlfriends who think something is wrong with them for wanting sex more than their husbands so that they can become resentful and they feel undesirable. First of all, what a great problem to have. Um, uh, so maybe it's time to make it clear that it is okay for women to enjoy sex. Yes, absolutely it is. Paul Paul does this thing that's really ridiculous in 1 Corinthians 7, where he says uh, that a woman's body is not her own. It is the man's. Now, that's not controversial. That was t universally agreed <laughs> upon. What was controversial is that the man's husband or that the man's body is the wife's. And that they are not to deprive themselves of sex, if only for a short time, and that for fasting or prayer. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there is, Paul teaches, the Jews taught, there is an obligation that men have to satisfy the needs of women, uh, an obligation. And again, obligation is not the right word. I, I just mean a, um, uh, your body isn't your, for your own pleasure. Your body's for your spouse's pleasure. Which, you know, who hears that yeah. in freaking church? So. So you have a whole bunch of questions. Number one, how old do you talk to your kids uh, about sex and how? We always did, but we just did it in very like um, when, we, when they're learning their body parts, we included that body part. When they're 
um, um, when they uh, began to ask questions about the differences between boys and girls. We would just explain in very simple terms the differences between boys and girls. When they began, like when Big Nate, um, I think it was nine or ten, began asking, um, or I began, we began talking about hygiene. And I'm like, hey, buddy, you're, showering now is more than just washing your hair and letting the shampoo run down your body. Okay, that's not washing. That's like, that's not, that's the waterfall shampoo effect. That's not, that doesn't count. <laughs> and so we get into this huge conversation about hygiene and how his body's going to start changing and blah, 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 blah. And it has to do with being a daddy and da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And he finally says, well, what's that have to do with being a daddy? And, and I'm like, well, and, and we pulled over, pulled over the truck on the side of the road said here and here we go and so we just did we just did very age appropriate fun positive not weird not awkward hey here are things that are going to happen when you touch this place in your body it's going to feel different than if you touch your elbow um and that's all just part of it man you sometimes you'll see mommy uh and daddy's kiss that's part of it i mean you know and 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 it was just it was the most enjoyable um funny I mean, Nate was horrified when he found out the truth that the mommy parts and the daddy's part touch. And he's like, why can't we just high five? Why? So for the next two weeks, we would just high five. Just say high five. So, so, so to me, we didn't, we, we have not given one rule at all. It, it's all about, this is amazing. And this is incredible. And what a great gift it is. And, and we try to be very affectionate in front of them. And, and I, um, I try to be, um, not like, I try to be playful and, and, uh, with my wife in front of them. And, and so it's just a, it's just part of who we are, part of human. There's no negative message we're trying to convey. Um, so, so that's as far as I've gotten is 13. So, yeah. and Hannah, Hannah is our 11 year old and we've had incredible conversations about about what that is too and 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 the the best way that we told her was just by relaying how nate reacted when we told him so she loved that that was the part that was hilarious to her that's funny so that that brings some serious levity oh my goodness so she i mean so it, it has been i mean it's just been this really joyful fun topic now 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 nate you know we've had internet talks and we've had you know, with Hannah now, like, why, why, why? She asked, "Hey, why, why do boys get to take their shirts off, and why can't girls?" That's a great question. I said, "Well, they can. I'd be okay." <laughs> I'm kidding. I did not, did not <laughs> say did. that at all. <laughs> uh, but okay. But then, then this, this, uh, this questioner asks, um, uh, "Is there something wrong that for women to enjoy sex?" No, God. <laughs> God actually designed you better to enjoy enjoy sex because, well, okay, um, you've got more equipment that you've got some parts that are just purely for enjoyment. <laughs> um, we've got multi-purpose tools, so that's you know, I, I think that very clearly, and in the book Song of Songs, the woman enjoys sex. The um, in Paul's teaching, the idea that the man and the woman have an obligation to each other, and, and uh, sexually, um, I think very clearly. Um, that uh, women are permitted to enjoy it. I think the thing that, you know, we always have to be careful of is um, are we elevating sex too much? Are we, are we, are we not taking it seriously enough? Uh, the rabbis of Jesus's day taught that it was one of the things you had to do on the Sabbath. 
because uh, depriving each other of that uh, could lead into temptation. And so, I mean, it was just this really interesting mm-hmm. approach that we're in Western America, we're just Western America and in, in Western culture, we're just not comfortable with for, for the Jews. They believed when a husband and wife made love that God hovered over the, the bed. And so they would often um, in their bedrooms have canopies or hoopas that were over their, their chambers as, as symbolizing this was holy and that God was present in the sex act because life could be formed. Hmm. Um, you were, as when God created, you were creating. And, and so they, had, they didn't see this big separation between sex and soul the way that we see it. Mm-hmm. So even asking the question, can you be Christian and sexual? Well, it shows how far we've fallen from what the, the biblical view of sex is. Of mm-hmm. course you are. You can't help but be. Right. The issue is, do you view sexuality as a gift or a curse? Now, it feels like a curse so often because of the way sexuality has been presented. And are, does, the, the, does the scripture insist sexuality is to be best practiced uh, within a covenantal relationship? Absolutely. So if you want to know why it does that, like what's the ethic behind that? Great questions. That's a whole podcast series. But within that, it teaches very, very clearly that the human body is a good thing on all of its weirdness and all of its just orifices and and just it's just it's just weird right earwax come on um um going to the bathroom i mean it's just like wow you know and 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 for the jews of jesus's day this was all like you you would actually bless god when you could go to the bathroom hmm. thank you god um creator of the universe king of the universe um for for um i think how did they say it for holes uh, where waste could exit our body. And so you would actually pray and thank God. And if you've, if you've ever had problems going to the bathroom, then you know how horrible that can be, right? So, so there's this, one of the things the incarnation of Jesus does is it dignifies the human body in ways that counter the Greek thinking that we've inherited that's dualistic, mm-hmm. that body is bad and soul is good. And so we want to war against that to say, no, no, in the scripture, sexuality is the union of body and soul in ways that, that not much else is. And so, hmm. um, so we take it incredibly seriously and we receive it joyfully. Now, I just feel like I've raised like 8,700 other questions in saying that. So <laughs> I'm going to shut up now. I don't know. Do we need to put an E on this episode, Andy? Because um, vagina and penis were mentioned at that point. Masturbation was mentioned. Maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure. Um, SoundCloud. Um, uh, let me see. What else? I had one other question for you. Uh, you should, yeah. Earmuff warning, perhaps. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Um, sure. And, and I need to tell Big Big Nate that I told the high five story on the podcast because we just <laughs> we still laugh about that one. We still laugh about that. And the other day, oh, I love this. So Big Nate and we're having a conversation. And he just looks at me and he's like, Dad, I like girls. I can't help it. I just do. I don't know what happened. I just do. You know, I like them. Yep. I'm like, you know, man, I like them too. I like them too. And, uh, and it was just funny because we kept having a conversation about someday, dude, the switch will flip and they go from just kind of these weird sort of playmates to like, Oh yeah. Oh, Oh, so it's just been, it's just been so hilarious and and we'll get into all the hard stuff. I mean, this is still, this is still funny and they're young and we're still talking about it. So I'm sure I'll screw it up along the way, but it's been really interesting. Some it, might say you already have. 
screwed them up? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my lord, yes. Uh, yes, I think that we can assume that. Isn't that awful though as parents? It's like, yeah. you know that your kids are going to be talking about something in therapy 30 years from now. We just don't know what. <laughs> right? When, they, when they're like, well, tell me about your family of origin. Oh, my dad, he always played Destiny and he drank Coors Light. What's up with that? <laughs> right? He never had time for me. Oh, I don't uh. know. All right. So, brothers and sisters, uh, I don't know if this is a good episode or not. I don't know if this is interesting. If you've made it through, I have no idea because we've never done one. I feel like it gained some speed towards the end, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, so uh, so tell us if you like the grab bag, yeah. the cornucopia, the Corn- jubilee. Cornucopia questions. Uh, of questions. And uh, if you've got them, send them because um, you, 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 you guys are nonstop um, fodder for interesting stories, conversations, jokes. You guys are hilarious. So uh, we so much enjoy this. We so much being a part of your life. We really do. And we're very interested in trying to translate um, uh, faith in this Jesus, um, um, submission to the scriptures as they're intended to be submitted to, uh, participation in uh, a church community. We're trying to translate that into, uh, as best we can, into a generation that's just suspicious of all of it and uh, have seen so much abuse. And, and so, you know, um, uh, we, we desperately want to be a part of the solution, not part of the problem. So we're, we're so grateful when you guys, you know, uh, email us or, or let us know, you know, what we're doing is, is helping. So thank you for that. Um, uh, voxpodcast.com, voxoc.com, Andy, anything you want to add? Patreon. Uh, and then, yep, Patreon uh, will be up in about a week. Wow. That's it. And, and, and everyone said, Oh, good. More, more requests for money. Um, so let me, let me, uh, let me do our little blessing and then we're done. What, what's All the right. time right now? 57. Oh man. how do we do 57? We, we do got half the questions. We just do. Oh, all right. Wherever you are, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you. And be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you and may he give you peace in these days. Amen. See you later. Until next time, Andy joining. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the Vox Podcast. Learn more about us at voxpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at the Vox Podcast. And as always, comment, share, and interact with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voxpodcast.